0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Sachs's Essay Today podcast. My name is Michelle Botcher, and I'm an associate professor at Clemson University. I'm also your host for this program. Today, I'm pleased to have Kelly Smith with Stanford Online High School, Jean Salufo at Florida State University, Jamel Mallory at the University of North Carolina, and Xavier Williams, soon to be at the University of Georgia, as our
1: guests.
2: Thanks to each of you for joining the podcast. Thanks for having us, Michelle.
1: Thank you so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome.
0: Before we get into your work and career, um, can you tell listeners a little bit about who you are outside of work? I think too often when we talk to each other, it's like, so tell me about you. And the very first thing we go to is shop. And we're more than that. So, maybe if you have hobbies you want to talk about what you're reading watching listening to whatever you would like to share and if you don't mind kelly i would love for you to start us off
2: yeah so i'm kelly she her pronouns and i am into all sorts of things i love to play board games i like to spend time on the lake with my kiddos and my husband um I'm currently reading Cutting for Stone by Abraham Verghese, and it's phenomenal. If you haven't read it, incredible read. I'm listening to Why Does the World Exist by Jim Holt, which is much harder to digest. And I'm watching Working with Barack Obama on Netflix. Really cool. Definitely recommend.
0: Wonderful. Thanks so much, Kelly. Jean, what about you?
3: Hi everyone, my name is Jean. I use he, him pronouns. Um, I have just finished up the queer version of Ultimatum, um, uh, which was wild. It was really fun. Um, I also love to spend time with my dog. I like to crochet and I recently, within the last couple of months, uh, discovered the Libby app through my local library um, so if you haven't been put on to the Libby app, there are like a lot of audiobooks on there and I can't really force myself to read consistently. So I've been really enjoying the audio
4: Wonderful. Jamel, what's up in your wall? Hello everyone. Um, my name is Jamel. I use he, him, him, he, him, his pronouns. Um, so... I live in the Raleigh-Durham area, and there's a ton of parks out here, um, so I love to explore and really um, explore the area, get new food, um, try new food places, um, board games. I have movie nights with my friends like every Tuesday. We're going through the Marvel series right now, which is pretty fun, um, and I love to travel. Um, I've been recently traveling a lot recently, um, but it's been a lot of fun to just explore different areas. Um, and then I also just finished watching the ultimatum queer love as Gene mentioned. Um, and it was very wild, but overall, I'm just a very chill person. Wonderful. And Xavier, tell us about you.
1: Absolutely. Um, so I, uh, man, I've got a few hobbies. I love to cook. Um, I used to tell people that I did not gain this weight overnight. Um, and I love to just get in the kitchen and, sharing some music, going and cook. So I love music, love cooking. I'm a lover of baseball. So I'm watching all the the World um, college world series games and the little league world series is getting ready to start. So uh, watching that stuff right now, I'm reading um, atomic habits by James clear. Um, I'm in a men's small group at my church. And so reading that book right now with about seven other men at my church uh, right now, I'm watching Uh, the all-american homecoming on netflix and uh, i'm a little behind but i'm going to catch up uh, on this cruise in a a few minutes and uh, right now i'm listening i'm a lover of the craig rochelle leadership podcast i like to just kind of turn that on get a you know a few nuggets of leadership in and kind of just here i can be better so
0: wonderful thank you everyone i appreciate that um And I'm always taking notes when people are sharing what they're watching and reading. So uh, it's probably totally just a self-serving question on my part, but I don't care. I get some good stuff. Um, Well, let's shift and start to talk about this whole student affairs, higher ed thing. And Jean, if you wouldn't mind getting us started this time, how did you kind of find your way to what you're doing right now?
3: Uh, like most other people in student affairs, it wasn't on purpose. And I'm actually have a student affairs adjacent job now, but it's not within student affairs. So that's a unique experience. Um, but in undergrad, I was a big, uh, I was very involved in college band, which I know we'll talk about more. Uh, but I got my student affairs start in orientation and a peer mentoring program. And then I kind of major hopped in college, did a few different things, but it's mostly concentrated in psychology, music, and science slash environment type things. Um, And then I decided I wanted to do student affairs, went and got a master's degree at Clemson. And then my current role is kind of a combination of the environment stuff that I learned in undergrad and then the student affairs that I learned in grad school. Um, because I'm currently the outreach and engagement coordinator for the Office of Sustainability at Florida State University. Um, So I do predominantly student affairs things like education, programming, stuff like that. Um, But I also rely on the academic knowledge that I learned in undergrad. So it's a fun meld together
0: for me. Wonderful. Thanks for that, Gene. Jamel, what's your journey been?
4: Yeah, so going... Um, Starting from the beginning, I went to school undergrad. My undergrad degree was from Bowling Green State University. As I I was very involved um, in my time at an undergrad, I started with college marching band as well. Um, And I really loved band. Then I really started to get into like, like the leadership roles around my second year into the marching band where I was a squad leader. Um, And I really enjoyed working as a squad leader in marching band and just assisting the new members with learning the techniques, how to play the music, and just learning everything related to band. Um, But then afterwards, I was like, okay, I want to, I want to needed a job as well. So I was like, okay, I need to find a job on campus. At the time, I didn't have a car. So I found a job on campus, and I became a, a campus tour guide. Um, And that was my first experience with working with, um, like, prospective students, and my supervisor noticed that I was, like, very good with interacting with students, Um, and she was like, you must really enjoy this, and I was like, yeah, I love it, it's a lot of fun just to interact with prospective students. Um, So she was like, have you ever considered a career path in student affairs? I was like, never heard of it at at all um so I just that was like a, something in the back of my mind and I still had no clue what I was majoring in I hopped around um, majors um while my time in undergrad and I just found a major that I like classes in honestly um after undergrad I, I um, ended up going to um, Clemson to get my master's degree in higher education um in student affairs um and now I'm working at University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill Um, And I work in the main career center here on campus um, and I work on the employer relations side. So um, I'm not as student facing, but I get to work with employers that want to recruit UNC students um, for full time jobs or internships. So I give them like their first point of contact um, with recruiting students here at UNC. Um, It's different being on on an employer side of things because I'm mainly working with employers, but I still get to support students in a unique way, which I really enjoy.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much. Xavier, how did you find your way into student affairs?
1: Absolutely. So um, I just graduated with my bachelor's degree uh, in music at James Madison University. And um, my goal when I got to JMU was I I wanted to be a high school band director. So I I kind of just pivoted uh, into into student affairs work and higher education. Um, but when I got to JMU freshman year, I said I'm going to be a high school band director. I'm going to work my way up to being a principal. I'll be a superintendent one day. Um, and really, what kind of kind of shifted? I was elected as the student rep to the board of visitors at JMU. Served in that capacity for two years. Uh, but during that time, I had an opportunity to also work as a governor's fellow um, in the office of the governor here in the Commonwealth of Virginia. And I worked uh, with our Deputy Secretary for Higher Education, Secretary of Education in Virginia, on a lot of the governor's initiatives. And I started to see, man, uh, this stuff is actually pretty interesting from the the politics side. But now that I'm also seeing it from the student leader side, I would love to kind of continue this with my career. And I kind of found my own little purpose in in higher education. Um, So being a first gen student, being a student leader, uh, minority on campus, all of those things just kind of pointed towards. This is the direction that I felt like my life was going in and what I really wanted to do with my career. So um, yeah, kind of, you know, in September of senior year, I went and met with a, a great guy on campus, one of our associate vice presidents at the University of Mount Surrette, and said, I think I want to go into student affairs. And uh, before that December 1 deadline, I had the applications in and here I am now. So excited to start my journey at the University of Georgia. But you know, my, my big thing is to inspire, impact, and uh, influence the lives of those that are on college campuses so they can be successful.
0: Wonderful. I love when you said, I wanted to be a high school band director. Everybody nodded. They're like, oh yeah, I, I remember that, that goal at some point. So wonderful. Thanks for joining us, Xavier. And Kelly, tell us your story.
2: Yeah. So I'm going to start mine all the way back as a child. I always wanted to be an educator. I just knew it in 1998. So 25 years ago, I joined band and I was like, this is it. This is it. I'm going to teach band for the rest of my life. And I grew up in Kentucky, was convinced I would live in Kentucky for the rest of my life. My high school assistant band director got his doctorate at the University of South Carolina, said, you should really go there, get out for a little bit, Went there, studied music education, had just the best four years ever. Super involved, of course, in band. I was uh, march mellophone for two years and was drum major for two years. I was president of the uh, music fraternity, the female music fraternity. Like, is highly, highly involved in band. I did become a high school band director. I taught high school band for one year, and then I taught. I ran actually a private studio for six years. And then I taught middle school band for four years. um, And then you can probably do the math and figure out that gets us to COVID. Mm. Uh, I'm married to a high school band director. And it was a really intense time to both be public educators. And it felt like one of us needed to make a change. And I just kind of sat down and talked to some close friends and thought, where would my strengths kind of be best served? And people said, you know, there's got to be a degree for like people that run orientations and stuff, right? That just feels like something you'd be good at. And I was like, yeah, there has to be. And did some research, like literally had never heard the phrase student affairs in my life. Um, And of course, come to find out like so many influential people in my college time, that's really what their job was. I just didn't know. I live in the Clemson area, applied for Clemson and at 33 started the grad program at Clemson. And um, worked there in the Honors College for about a year and a half before landing in my current job, which is just the perfect, I cannot believe I'm in this place combination of my love and passion for middle school students and my work in student affairs and and kind of just love of that direction of student success I work for Stanford University's online high school, which is grades 7 through 12, and I am the middle school academic advisor for 240 kiddos, grades 7 and 8 there, and it really is just a dream come true to put it all together.
0: Wonderful. Well, and you, your, your comments lead perfectly into my last question before we dig into the whole band thing. Um, you said so many people once you learned what student affairs was that so many people who've been influential for you were student affairs professionals. So that's my question. You know, we talk about how student affairs is a small field and it seems like if you don't know someone, you know somebody who knows that person within the the realm of student affairs. So this time, Jamel, would you talk first, kick us off? And Not every single person, because that would be a multiple episode series, but can you highlight a few people for you who along the way have really been influential in guiding you through and to where you are today?
4: Yeah, um, I think the first place to start is my high school band teacher. Um, Her name was Jill Wilhelm. She was um, when I first I moved around a lot when I was younger. And when I first moved to Ohio, she was my first female band teacher. Um, And she was the most most influential, caring, and dedicated band teacher I've ever met. Um, And she really impacted my life in a way that I didn't know at the time. Um, And I really just enjoyed going through, um, doing band in high school because she was there always, um, like the music we played, she had a way for us to relate to the music that we were playing. Um, And during my time with her, she was like very influential um, and I was moving around a lot. So I really didn't know when I moved to Ohio, I really didn't know anybody. And she became like a like a friend, but like a teacher at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, I didn't know she was a mentor, but she was just so um, influential in her words. And I just really cared about everything that she said. And I was like, oh, this is like a a, a mentor without me really knowing what a mentor was. Um, so when I was graduating from high school, I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And she was trying to encourage me to do music. Um, that was, at the time, I was just like, oh, I like music, but I don't think I want to do it as a career. Like, I love music and I love performing and doing music, but I wasn't sure if that was what I, really what I wanted to do. Um, and then she was like, how about education? And I was just like, I don't think I want to be a teacher either. Um, at the time, I was like, being a teacher seems like um, a comp- very complicated. And I was like, at the time, I didn't wanna, really want to be a teacher. Um, but I ended up going something completely, um, out my, my first major in undergrad was completely uh, away from education. It was on computer science and I really hated it. Um, it wasn't really, um, you work with people, but you don't work with people at the same time. I really wasn't understanding the classes. And then I really thought about it and I was like, I really do like working with people. Um, and like in my back of my head, my band teacher, (laughs) um, Ms. Wilhelm was in the back of my head, but like, you need to be working with people. That's where you strive and that's where you're going to thrive um and so I ended up changing my major um to media production um so I ended up working with like social working on the social media side um but it all tied up in um in the way um all tied up perfectly going into um when I was graduating that I knew I wanted to work in student affairs um but I was like a little like a angel and a demon like the angel on my side was her being like you're going to work with students. This is where you're going to strive and thrive. And I just really, um, really appreciate her um, and really challenging me and just think, having me thinking in a way of like, what what do I like to do and what do I enjoy to do? So I'll always think of my um, band director back in high school. Um, so thank you, Miss Warholme.
0: Awesome. Make sure you share this episode with her when it comes out, all right? Good. Um, Xavier, how about you? Who've been some of those influential people for you?
1: Yes, yeah, so... Uh... I apologize. There's four people I want to mention, but I'll go through it very quickly. Doing the same thing. My band director, Ronzel Bell, um, from high school was like a great mentor of mine. And uh, my parents divorced when I was in high school. And, you know, that was a, a difficult time emotionally, socially, physically, all those different things. Um, but, you know, he, he kind of stepped in as a great role model and mentor for me. And, and so I'm going to be a music educator just like you because you helped me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember the day before graduation, he came to me and said, Xavier, regardless if you're a band director or not, you're still going to be successful. And the only thing that I want you to do is to go out in the world and be great. And that is what he's continued to remind me. And I tell you, I look now and I'm like, maybe he was right. I wasn't necessarily going to be a band director, but, you know, uh, the goal was still just be great in the world um, as best as possible. At JMU, I had some great um, mentors and, and folks that just supported me. Um, our chief of staff at the university, Mike Davis, uh, welcomed me with open arms, created an internship opportunity for me to intern in the office of the president. Uh, and, and really gave me the ropes to higher education um, and didn't mind just being open and transparent with me about why the university was doing what it was doing. Um, our vice president for student affairs, Dr. Tim Miller, um, you know, working with him as a student leader, I got to understand a little bit more of the student affairs side of, of things. And, you know, especially as we were getting into this whole mental health conversation, um, I appreciated just the fact that he would include my voice in some of those conversations that we were having Um, And just as we were trying to continue to get people to build this sense of belonging community on campus. So um, it was great to have him. But I would be remiss if I also didn't um, acknowledge just my parents. Um, And, you know, I'm a big man of faith and, you know, always says to honor your parents. But as I was going through this journey of doing band or doing music education or even now starting my master's program, uh, they never really questioned why I was doing what I was doing, but always just wanted me to have a plan. Um, and and they worked with me diligently to make sure that I knew what that plan was and then tried to find their way of supporting me through it. So between those four people that I've acknowledged, I think those those are the people that have helped me really kind of get uh, to this moment of being successful in band, but also hopefully successful in student affairs. Wonderful. Thanks, Xavier. Thank you. Uh, Kelly, how about you?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I'm going to start with band two. <laughs> um, I will start with my middle school band director, Cindy Hawkins, who just, I I think forever and always will be a pillar in my life. She was just the embodiment of being able to love students and love your family. If her kiddos were sick, she missed school. And she told us, you know, the next day she'd come in and say, sorry, my kiddo had a fever. And Just to see a woman at such a young age really in my mind kind of have it all um, was just super influential and her husband was my private lessons teacher and to see the way they worked in their home, it just, I, I will forever be thankful for her and her inspiration. As I've already mentioned, my high school assistant band director, Dr. Terry McGee, I just wouldn't be who I am today without him. Still a deep connection and deep friendship there and he is why I went to the University of South Carolina. And then there, um, my late horn professor who passed away um, about 10 years ago, um, Robert Prusin, just a giant of a man in every way and just a wonderful human being who shaped me. And um, yeah, and then, you know, kind of fast forwarding, I had just some wonderful bosses, Lisa Cassidy, um, uh, other just great examples and in my education work, but at Clemson like I, I could not have had this question and not mention Michelle you and Tony and Rachel are instructors there at Clemson like I. I just can't imagine a more perfect trio of people to help you through grad school and so forever the three of you will be on my list as well so thank you.
0: Thanks for that. Xavier Are you regretting University of Georgia. You don't have to answer that. (laughs) I'm just messing with you. Thanks for that, Kelly. Uh, Gene, how about you? Who are your people?
3: I'll also start with bands. So my high school band director, Joel Kina, and then my high school drum tech, which is band talk for the person who teaches a drum line. Um, and he also helped us with uh, various different percussion ensembles, things like that. Um, John Lubera, I think those two taught me a lot about what it meant to be a leader. I learned servant leadership, you know, starting in like ninth grade. Um, I really didn't even know any other way to be a leader and that stuck with me a lot. Um, so very thankful to the two of them. And then my three-year supervisor in undergrad, Chris Craig, uh, was the one who basically shoved me into student affairs after like two years of him asking and then me finally being like, you know, maybe you are right. Um, and then while I was at Clemson, not to copy Kelly, but obviously the three professors, Michelle, Tony, and Rachel were all amazing. And then I'm gonna throw one more person in there, sorry. Um, Lane Carter at the Multicultural Office really helped me get through those two years. So much love to all of them.
0: All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for kind of giving us perspective on you. now let's let's talk band, although you've already all been talking band, so that's okay. Um So, how did you end up in band? Like, how did that become a thing? what instrument or instruments did or do you play? Um, what else should we know about your, your band experience? And at this point, I'm just going to kind of let whoever wants to talk, talk, and we'll, we'll follow the lead that you set.
1: I'll start. Um, so I am a trumpet player. I don't know if that trumpet vibes give off in this conversation oh man the phone would ring as i'm talking um but i have to say that i started band in middle school and it came down to the whole elective process you know you pick one elective and, and all the other fun stuff uh, for me it was never really a question if i was going to do band i started with music my grandfather was in a gospel quartet group And so I played drums at a very young age and loved it. And just, I knew I wanted to continue with music. However, when I got to middle school, um, we did like the little instrument petting zoo, and, uh, you know, I said, I'm tired of this drum stuff. Like, I don't want to be a percussionist. I want to to be a trumpet player. I want to be loud. I want to, you know, that's the moment when you start all the trumpet players screaming and playing up the octave. Um, so I wanted to do that and, and continue to start in middle school and had a great time, continue through high school, did the jazz band, did the wind symphony, did the, you know, marching band, drum major marching band and all the other f- fun stuff when it got to college. Uh, my number one school was JMU. And uh, if some folks out there in the world have not looked at the JMU marching band, uh, allow this to be a homework assignment for you to go and look up the JMU marching Royal Dukes. Um, a little over 400 students on on the football field, every game um, and every year, really. We've grown to a big size and and I enjoyed it. There were about 68 trumpet players that I played with my freshman year, um, and I can tell you that I know all of their names. Um, it was really a family, and I was a little scared about that at first, um, but you know, for band, for me, it, wasn't, it just wasn't a class. It was a family um, at every level, middle school, high school, and college. So I'm a trumpet player, but by trade of being a music educator, um, I can dabble around at some of the other instruments, but prefer to stay on trumpet.
0: <laughs> Very good. And I love that you called it the instrument penning zoo. I know exactly what you're talking about. That's awesome.
2: I'll follow up. So um I play French Horn and I started band in fifth grade. That's when we started in Lexington, Kentucky. I had just moved to Kentucky, so I was starting a new school. And I had already been taking piano lessons since first grade. So just was like super excited about the idea of a new instrument. I do not come from a musical family. I just like the nerdiest kid ever saw the lady playing the organ at church and was like, I want to do that one day and started piano. And I still play, I play at church um, and uh, played French horn. I never, I never veered. I'm very, very loyal to the horn In high school, I marched mellophone and did youth orchestra, did choir, did musicals, played in the pit for the musicals. I went to an arts high school, so we had massive productions. I was in a massive marching band in high school. We performed at Grand National Finals, like very, um, very prestigious band program. There were 16 mellophones, which is huge. Then when I went to the University of South Carolina, that doubled. There were 32 mellophones. And like I said earlier, I marched mellophone for two years, did concert band and all of those things, of course, and then was drum major, of the marching band my last two years. Um, And I, like like Xavier said, like I can play other instruments. I'm a decent flute player. I'm a decent trumpet player as well, but I'm very, very loyal to the horn.
3: I can talk a little bit. Um so I started band in middle school. It was entirely because at my school, if you took band, you didn't have to take gym. Um, <laughs> I lots of I had, Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know if I had any sort of musical knowledge. My parents were like, you're doing band. But yeah, I did band. Um, and I actually almost quit after sixth grade. Um, I can see a lot of my like personal development through band over the years when I'm thinking back about it. But my best friend at the time, um, who I had basically chosen my instrument off of her, I chose percussion. And thinking back to the instrument petting zoo, I was actually sick on the percussion day. Um, but I chose it anyway, and it was a good fit for me. Um, But my best friend was going to quit after sixth grade, and then I was like, well, then I'm going to quit after sixth grade. And my band director at the time was like, no, you're really good at this, like you should keep doing it. I'm grateful that he said that because I'm glad that I kept doing it. So I did percussion in middle school, and then we started doing marching band in seventh grade, although you weren't really marching until like ninth grade. Uh, but pseudo marching band, and I started doing drumline. I've played every instrument on the drum line at different times, so I won't go into every single year about that. After that small waiver at the end of sixth grade, there was no question to me about if I was going to do it in high school. Um, I got into leadership in high school, so I was a section leader in my senior year. And I remember thinking, wow, I wish I could just be like a professional section leader. And at the time, I thought that meant being a band director, but I think it's actually a lot closer to student affairs than it is to band directing. But I did decide to do music education, and I was a music ed major at University of Central Florida for a year and a half. And I really enjoyed my time there. Um, The reason why I stopped being a music ed major is because I was teaching drumline at a school and I really liked teaching drumline for a short amount of time, but I was doing it like over the form of a semester. And I realized that I just cared more about the students like as people and their personal development than I did about like, if they were playing the music correctly. And I wasn't sure if that would make me a good band teacher. Although some of my professors at the time did argue that it might have, but I decided to switch my major anyway. But I still stayed very involved with music. I was in the one of the music fraternities, um, Kappa Kappa Psi. And so I stayed in marching band. I stayed in concert band. And then my last year of college, I actually became the band president, um, which was essentially a student affairs type position. It was like community building. Um, and then some of like what a section leader is, but kind of like for the whole band. So I would say that was the highlights of my band journey.
4: Great. And then um, for me, I started um, band in middle school. Um, I started on the trumpet, um, but then ended up really switching into the clarinet because my, um wasn't the greatest at the trumpet. Um, I couldn't really figure out how to buzz. And our band director was in the process of like job searching. So she didn't really pay much attention. Um, But I ended up switching to clarinet and I picked it up and I was like, wow, I'm really good at this. (laughs) So I played clarinet all the way through middle school and high school. High school was around the time I didn't want to join Marching Man because I really didn't like music. I was just doing it for a way of me just playing music um, and an elective, essentially. But then when I moved to Ohio, family was like, you need to do an extracurricular because I didn't do any extracurriculars in middle school and then even my freshman year of high school. Um, So my family forced me into doing an extracurricular, and I was like, well, I like music, so I guess I'll do marching band. Um, And since I transferred to the school late, I wasn't able to join the marching band, but they was like, oh, we need some people that can help out with, like, props um, and doing that. So my first year, I was in Color Guard. Uh, I ran around with a flag um, on the marching band field to help out, and that was just really my first experience of getting, um, experiencing marching band. And I really loved it. And I was like, wow, I'm gonna join Marching Band next year because I love this. And I got to like during the football games, I got to be in the stands with the with everybody in the marching band, but I didn't get to perform with them. So I had a uniform and everything, but I didn't perform during halftime or during pregame with the show. And then I did marching band. I started marching Band my junior year and loved it, played clarinet still going into my senior year. And then afterwards, <clears throat> when I was going to college, I was like, I really like marching band. It was like a second family. So I was like, okay, I want to join marching band in college. So when I was applying for colleges, I had no clue where I wanted to go. I'm a first gen student, but I was like, do they have a marching band? Because I really want to do marching band. Um, Greatest decision I ever did was joining um, marching band at Bowling Green State University, the Falcon Marching Band. It was just a second family to me. Um, I really loved meeting everybody, just getting to know everybody. And every year the band was different. Like we are all the same people, but like the new members coming in make the band experience really fun. I had a dream of doing um, Drum Corps International DCI um, when I was an um, undergrad, um, but I played a clarinet um, and they don't allow woodwinds into DCI. Um, so I switched to mellophone my junior year to try to get into DCI, but I realized I didn't wanna do DCI, I just wanted to play a brass instrument. Um, so I played mellophone my, sec- my third and fourth year of marching band and I loved it. And um, with me playing trumpet in the beginning I really already knew how to, I knew the fingerings. I just had to learn how to play the mellophone. And I realized that I was very good at the mellophone and I didn't really want to become a leader with being in, in the mellophone section. I just really liked being like a senior member. Um, so I was just there, loved marching. So yeah, I learned how to play mellophone and then I also um, learned how to play the trumpet eventually. Um, but like um, Gene mentioned, he was in, in the band fraternity. I was in the band sorority, Beta Sigma. And then I was also in Find Me Alpha, which is a music fraternity. So music is in my life everywhere. And both of those organizations have brought um, a lot of great skills to me. And I really value being in those fraternities and sororities.
3: I just wanted to highlight that, like Jamel said about how he at least partly made his uh, decision based off of marching band of where to attend college. I also did. So I just want whoever is in charge of giving college bands money to hear that. One of the reasons I went to UCF was just because of the marching band.
2: Yeah. If I can chime in on that too. And I want to make sure I shout out, I was in the professional music uh, fraternity for women, Sigma Alpha Yoda, um, but we worked with Five Me Alpha and KKSI and TBS all the time. So we had all four chapters at, um, at the University of South Carolina. But two, I, I was very committed because I had had a large high school band experience. I wanted an even larger college band experience that was very important to me that I didn't go to a band the same size or smaller than what I had experienced in high school. So, you know, I was looking at 300 plus Member bands, University of South Carolina sits at around 400. So that checked the box for me. Um, and I would have only considered schools with similar size programs. So a huge Im- influence in why I chose where I went.
0: So I'm just going to put it out there possible future dissertation topic, the role of bands in student recruitment and retention. Just saying. All right. So here's a question. A lot of times, and I feel like at least my first few years back at iowa state as a practitioner there were some pretty serious limits on band members participation around i'm thinking specifically of being an ra because it overlapped with training and working with orientation because band like ramping up for the the season Overlap so much with orientation so I'm interested in your experiences with that how you found your connection to student affairs but maintained your relationships with your bands as well
2: can I just jump in and say and I want to piggyback off what Gene talked about earlier he mentioned that he taught in the summer and that is a huge barrier as well is oh yeah most of us in that are in band are teaching all summer long, I would teach straight six, six straight weeks of band camp. Um, and that's, frankly, it's big money when you're that age, you know, I, I made quite a bit of money teaching these camps because they're literally sun up to sundown and so it is really hard to get involved. And I just wanted to make sure that the teaching part of it got mentioned as well. I myself only found involvement through the school of music. That was a choice. Um, but I feel like, you know, I was able to be a student ambassador at audition days. I served the school of music heavily as the president of Sigma Alpha Yoda. We did receptions, we did recruiting, we did an instrument petting zoo um, for the local girl scout chapters. So Community outreach, definitely service to the institution. But for me, it was all through the school music or band.
0: Well, and I appreciate that you brought that up because the the teaching aspect is something that I am not familiar with. But I also, what I heard you say, and I heard Jean say this pretty explicitly earlier as well, is if you didn't find student affairs outside of band, you found it in band in the roles that you were playing. And I think that's really powerful. So thanks for adding that, Kelly.
4: Other thoughts, experiences? So I really didn't get to experience a lot outside of marching band in college. It was really hard for me to hold, like participate in orientation or being like in um, an, uh, RA. Um, we weren't allowed to be an RA at dude and dude in Marching Man because we met every single day for three hours during the marching man season in the fall semester. And RAs they had their meetings once a week on Wednesdays, and but also they had other things that they had to do within their roles. So our band director made a rule that so you can't be an RA and be a marching man because of past experiences with past members. Mm-hmm. Um I really wanted to be an RA because I'm first gen and I was paying for school on my own and I was like, oh, free housing. But at the time I was like, but I love band and I don't, really don't want to quit band um, because I really love marching band. Um, but then I also want to do orientation, but orientation is mainly through the summer. And then the first week we get to school a week early before um, all students arrive to campus. Um, we're going through, we called it Fundy's Week, which is like basically band camp. But orientation leaders were doing all their orientation things and I couldn't do orientation either. So in that way, band did limit my opportunities of getting involved in that way, but I did find my own ways to get involved through my sorority and the fraternity that I was in. Then I also was like, I had on-campus jobs that were um, related to student affairs uh, uh, to a certain extent. Um, I worked as a campus tour guide, how I got exposed to student affairs. And then I also worked in housing and um, residence life, but I was mainly on like the desk clerk side of things. So not an RA, but working at the front desk. So that was like my opportunity to just really get exposed to student affairs. And then from there, I met a lot of people um, that were working within student affairs to really educate me and how to get into this field. But overall, band did limit me, but it also gave me some valuable experiences that I probably wouldn't have experienced if I would have met maybe not done band.
0: Gotcha.
1: Yeah, I would add that I did marching band. I did it freshman and sophomore year, and that's when I got interested in doing the whole student rep to the board position thing. And because there is a hard commitment of practice and then you have to be there for games and then that also means pep rallies and then that also means parades and <laughs> it's just a, a long list and that stuff is fun it was great that's where I built my community and where I got involved but there was just no way to try to really do both and it was a very hard decision do I continue with band and push myself very thin and run from one side of campus to the other side of campus every day from maybe 8 a.m. all the way to maybe 10 o'clock? Or do I find, you know, where my true passion is and kind of go in a different direction? So to answer your question, when I left marching band, because I was, like I said, in music education, I still had to be a part of, you know, one of the concert ensembles during the school year, but also found, like, opportunities to try to be, you know, like a... Um, an extra member within the pep band, not necessarily being a full-fledged member, but if they needed someone extra to play, I would go and play. If there were different things that were happening in the community and they wanted somebody to just play trumpet, I would do it, playing at different churches and such. But the other part was, you know, the fact of when I got closer into starting some of my practical experiences, really getting to the classroom and just playing with students, you know, it, it made me feel like I had that moment to be able to, one, um, continue to do the thing that I love, but to be able to share that with younger students and, and just being a member of the Marching Royal Duke, it was like, they were looking up to that moment of, okay, somebody's coming down from this band that I look up to, to come and play. So there is the challenge. And, and I don't think I want people to think that there isn't a challenge because uh, there is, it's a, it's a very difficult challenge. And sometimes you have to pick between one or the other, but um, I would say if it wasn't for some of my band experiences, I don't think I would have been uh, as successful as a student, but also as a student leader, and as that goes forward, it's being a student affairs professional.
3: This is a topic I feel very passionate about, and that I also got really lucky in. I essentially kind of I came into student affairs through orientation, which I did at the same time as marching band. And the schedules of marching band and orientation are different at every school. Um, but for me, the only main conflict was that week before classes. Because we had orientation sessions during that week. And then that's also when we had our band camp. And band camp, I don't remember the exact times. So it's something like 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. So it's like all day. So you're going to miss part of orientation. I knew that I wanted to go back for a second year of marching band, but I also knew that I wanted to be on the orientation team. And this was probably my, like, in the middle of my first semester of college is when the orientation team was having, like, interviews and applications and stuff like that. And so I went to our band director, Dr. Chamon Kaiser, and I said, you know, I really want to apply for this job. I really want to do it. There may be conflicts with band camp, And if you tell me that I'm not able to do it, then I'm not going to apply for this job because I really want to do band. And I am so, so thankful that he said, you know, apply for the job. We'll work it out. If, you know, you get selected. At this time, I was not like in a leadership position in band at all. Right. I was like a member on the drumline and that is obviously important, but You know, it's not like the band wouldn't run if I was gone for two hours. And him saying, yes, you can apply for that job, like really changed the course of my life because orientation is how I found out about student affairs. And I was successful in applying for orientation. I was able to do both. That week was very tiring because essentially I met with orientation and I met with band and I said, okay, what are the times I absolutely have to be at each place and I kind of went back and forth for that specific week. It is actually kind of astonishing that I was able to do because missing band camp is actually kind of a really big no-no. But I was never gone for a whole day. And, you know, they knew I was a hard worker. And, you know, by the week after, it really didn't affect me at all that I had missed some of it. And then going into my, what would have been my third year of band camp, I had applied and got a leadership role in orientation and so now my priority was kind of orientation and i said you know if you tell me i can't do both when i was talking to band i said if you tell me i can't do both then i'm not going to do band again this year they told me i could still do both um at the time i was interested in applying for a leader leadership position in band and you know they said like if you're going to do both you have to hold off on that like you can't be missing if you're in a leadership position. And so I did those two years of orientation and then um, that took me to my fourth year of band, which is when I was no longer involved with orientation. And then I was elected band president. So I got to take all of the skills that I learned in orientation and apply it back to band. Mm-hmm. And then I did a bunch of, you know, extra hours of work as band president. So I like to think that I settled it out by the end of the time. But it is not very common that they'll agree like that to let you do both. Um, I know at times I had thought about being an RA and decided not to because I wanted to do band more than I wanted to be an RA. Um, but the fact that they did let me do both, both changed my life, but also I think was beneficial for both parties. Like I could kind of recruit for marching band while I was at orientation. And then I knew all of these resources to help my peers while I was at marching band um yeah so I'm very very thankful for the fact that I got to do both
2: Jean is just dropping all sorts of great bits and I want to make sure I mention in response to that that band is so unique in that you are so comfortable having those conversations with your director because you have spent so much time with them. It's very hard to maybe articulate how close of a relationship you form with those professors. And it is, it is, I know we talked a lot about our high school band directors because again, like we literally spent hours and hours and hours every day with these people. But it is very similar in college, and they have, at least in my experience, such an open door policy for their students. They want their students in the office. They are so concerned about you as a whole human, not just as a a dot on the drill sheet. Would every band director be open to, to working out that exact arrangement? Maybe not, but they would definitely be open to the conversation and seeing what they can do because that's just who band people are. And, and we really do just form a family so fast.
0: Well, and so the next question that I have is about how did band help you with student affairs, but given Jean's last comment, similarly, how has student affairs helped you in your band and music roles? Because clearly based on what you shared that it goes both ways. So what are your thoughts? And again, you've alluded to some of this already, I think. But what additional thoughts do you have about the
1: transferable skills piece? I'm going to add a comment just bouncing back off of kind of what, what Kelly was just saying about, you know, your band directors. I, I thank God for Scott Rickers and Amy Birdsong, uh, the directors that I had while I was a part of the March and Road I'm so sorry that the <laughs> phone keeps ringing. Um I have to say, though, that one of the things that was really important for me was I learned the beauty of accepting and, and realizing that it's not always about the product. And I think that sometimes as we're trying to you know, get some of that stuff done in marching band, getting ready for that game day performance, we're getting ready for that parade, we can get so caught up with the product of what we're trying to accomplish. We want to make sure we're hitting that spot. We want to make sure that the music sounds good. We want to make sure that the audience uh, just is, is, is thrilled and amazed by our performance. But the one thing that I learned from my directors were you can't be so caught up in the product that you miss the process. And i rather you be I rather you be more focused on the process than the product right? Because the process makes you respect and appreciate the product so much more. The moment of, man, I may not have missed that, you know, I may have missed that drill spot uh, going from set nine to set 10, but it's still the moment that, hey, I was still in the picture. I'm having a great time with my friends and I'm enjoying what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about going into this grad school pro- um, process and even, you know, entering into the field of student affairs, the one thing that I'm going to take with me is the fact that you've got to appreciate, you've got to value the process more than the product. Mm -hmm. And and my prayer is that I don't get to the end of this grad school program and just be consumed with, did I get every theory right? Did I, did I, you know, go to every conference Did I do everything right over the past two years, what was the process that helped me get to, you know, being the student um, student affairs professional that I truly hope to be. um, And that can make a good impact wherever I go.
2: Yeah. And Savior, I mean, that's what, that is what marching band teaches, right? We spend hours and hours and hours and the average high school marching band show is about eight minutes long. And the average college marching band show is about 12 minutes long. Right. And, and in college, you usually, at least at the school I went to, and at a large, a lot of large schools, you perform that show one time and you've dedicated hours and hours and hours to it. And I do think it teaches us that it's okay to spend hours and hours and hours on one thing, right? Especially when your motivation is, is really as genuine as what marching bands is, which is spirit and community, and of course, entertainment and fun. But it really is about wearing your colors and making people proud, right? And I think that's what we try to instill in students. Um, that's definitely how I felt uh, as an educator and how I still feel working, still as an educator, just in a little bit different role is, I want students to succeed. And I want them to be proud of where they are and where they came from and where they're going. And band just teaches you that every day and and you use it in student affairs. I I feel like we were just given such an advantage to work in this field by having spent so much time at band.
3: I totally agree. And I think that, you know, not just college marching band, but nothing will teach you to take feedback uh, in stride like the arts. (laughs) You know, being... Like I said, I major hopped a lot, and my first major was music education, and I was in a really small percussion studio, and, you know, we would perform for each other, and then you'd stand up there and, like, get feedback from your peers, or you'd be in a private lesson with your professors, and they just give you feedback, and that was something normal. That is truly a skill, (laughs) because, you know, you're going to get feedback all your life, and just being able to take it in stride and have a greater understanding of the purpose of it. Um, I think also a big music lesson that transfers to student affairs, especially when you're thinking about like helping skills and working individually with students, is sometimes in music, there's a right and a wrong answer, Um, you know, in terms of like, are you playing in key? And are you playing with correct technique? Like sometimes there's a right or wrong. But a lot of things are open to interpretation And things that my teachers and professors would often stress is, you know, you just have to have a reason for the choice that you made. Like, I just want you to have thought about it and have some sort of reason why. It doesn't have to be the choice that I would have made, but I want you to think about it. Which is really when we're working with students, that's what we're telling people. Like, we're not telling people, we're not leading them to a certain position, or, or a certain uh, decision about what they should do when they're coming to us with a problem or a situation, um, we're trying to guide them through the thinking process. And so you get so much experience with the thinking process yourself that is transferable to helping someone else through the thinking process and like understanding that there isn't always a right answer. And I have a million things I could take away from marching band, Uh, But I think that it also shows that there's ways to lead without being in the front of the room, which is a bit ironic considering I was an orientation leader, but I'm also an introvert and I'm very passionate that, you know, you don't have to be extremely outgoing to be a orientation leader. Like there is something to say about being more reserved and like connecting with people on a more individual level and not always having to be at the front of the room. I think you need both types on a team, right? But within all forms of music, everyone has a role. And if you're missing, then something is missing. And so I think you get really comfortable with being part of the team and learning how to rely on other people and kind of understanding you control what you can control. One of the things our professors would always say in marching band is don't try and be a hero. Don't try and save the day. Um, Like, don't be pushing other people out of the way just so you can hit your exact spot. Um, Because that's actually what's going to hurt the team most is if you're you're trying to overcompensate. What I brought from student affairs back to my position of being Dan president in my last year was just like public speaking, being really comfortable in front of the group, um, community building and like learning how to be an authentic leader. Uh, So there's tons and tons and tons of overlap that could go on and on, but I won't.
4: I echo so much that was said. Marching Man has taught me a lot in my time. And I think the one main thing that I can really think about is time management. I don't know about um, everybody else, but Marching Man was a class for me. Um, we met every single day for three hours during um, in, when I was in college. And I also had three jobs on campus. I also had three jobs at an internship. So it was kind of challenging to manage all that. But Marching Man really taught me how to manage all the, manage my time and when to study, when I should be um, meeting with a professor he taught me so many so many skills with just managing my time management. I don't think I would have been the person I am today if I wouldn't have done marching band. Um, it just really just shows that like, I value marching band a lot, but then there's just a lot, a lot more that goes into it. And then just thinking about it in general, how it relates to student affairs. Student affairs is a community. Um, we're all working on the same purpose of supporting students in general. And marching band, we want to perform and have a great so people that are watching us perform have a great experience and are having fun. We're building that spirit and that morale. Um, and student parents is essentially that we're trying to support students in that way so that they're able to once they finish school, that they're able to achieve their career goals, achieve um develop in a way that's beneficial for them, themselves. Um, and I think marching band just really taught me that in general, like, no matter who we are in the marching band, we all play an important role, like just as Student Affairs says, we all play an important role in that students' lives. We may not see it in that moment, but we all play a special role um, in their development, um, in their college career, um, without us even knowing. And I just saw that through just being in marching band. like. My undergrad was very close where we were very close with our community and this like the kids loved us, the the families loved us. The community really um, enjoyed the marching band and just being seeing the impact of the community is, is how it relate, uh, I see how it relates to student affairs is all well. we make an impact, but we may not see it.
0: So you all have touched on this and I, I think there's some obvious differences, but what are some other or are there other things you would highlight about differences between being part of a band and other teams or organizations. So it's it's clearly a group activity. It's not you don't want to stand out as an individual because it is sort of counterintuitive. Um, You talked about the time commitment. You talked about the relationships across the band, but also especially with the band director and the leadership opportunities. Are there other things you would highlight that have made that experience distinct from other group or organization experiences?
3: You did just touch on this in your summary, but I think talking about the fact that it is a group experience, not an individual, and it's okay to not be super outgoing. I wish there was more of that in the groups I'm at at work and understanding that just because someone isn't always verbally contributing, doesn't mean that they're not contributing in a way. And like an understanding of the work that happens just to be at the meeting and not necessarily like you don't have to, I promise I'm not trying to add anyone when I'm saying this, Um, but you don't have to like be bragging about the work that you're doing that it's, I think marching band is inherently pretty humble. And I wish that there was more of that in the workplace as well.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate your point about introverts. And we've actually had people in our program told, Well, you don't seem like a student affairs person because you're an introvert. Well, as an introvert, I take a little bit of offense to that, maybe a lot of bit of offense to that. Um, But it's just like, okay, I hope this isn't overly corny, but you can't have a band with just one instrument. I mean, I suppose you could, but it's not going to be nearly as rich and complex. So it's the same thing with the people that you want in the team. Yeah, Kelly. I love One, that you your hand, by the way. yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> One thing for sure about band that I think is extra special is band is such an identity that that you just automatically have so much in common. I think we're very accepting of other identities. Um, because we just, we speak the same language right away. We have so much in common, so many shared experiences, um, either directly or like where we can just relate with one another that when, when a fellow band member tells you something that is, is something personal, or maybe even an identity you haven't encountered before, I don't know. It just I don't feel like there's judgment and there's not it doesn't um it doesn't negatively impact anything. If anything, it just opens your heart and mind even more. And I think because it's such it it really is such an identity to be in band, it really just kind of transcends a lot of things that might in other spaces be really hard differences to overcome. And I just found it's not that kind of place. It's just not, it's a very inclusive and loving space for students.
0: That's great. Okay. So this one is quick, but what is a band member's favorite month?
2: I had to ask my husband. He said, it's March. That's what I was thinking. (laughs) Thank you.
4: (laughs) I had March at the beginning, but I switched it to August because that's around the time when schools start, and it's bringing everybody back together and building that family and community that we all were talking about, um, and it's a great time. You yeah, all are of, wonderful. Go ahead, Gene.
3: I was thinking of December because that's bowl game season, and oh yeah. a lot nice of time. Um, but let it be known, I was on mute, but I did laugh at your March joke, so. <laughs>
1: that's funny. I was going to say the same thing. November, December time, it's bowl game time. It's playoff time. Band gets to travel. That's that's the good part. That's the fun stuff.
0: Well, and I do appreciate your responses because I think if you're not in band, you might make some assumptions about when the, the most enjoyable time is, but it's good to kind of give the scope of what the experience entails so I I would that.
2: agree with Jamel that it's the beginning like August you're just I don't know you're you're all sweaty together and you just uh, it, there's just no inhibition at that point you're just no <laughs> shame you're just you're just living your best life but March we'll just we'll go with the joke okay, if, the dad you. joke and say March
3: <laughs> I heard it when I was working in housing in grad school that there's two types of people. There's people who love move-in and there's people who love move-out. And so I feel like this is the same thing. There's people who love band camp and people who love bowl games. Um, And I'm definitely a bowl game person.
1: (laughs) I second all of that. Excellent.
0: Well, okay. Well, I guess kind of as we're starting to move toward wrap-up, one... Do you still play your instrument or instruments? Um, And how are you involved with music, maybe in different ways? And then similarly, what are connections between the uh, well, we've already talked about this, but what other connections are you seeing? Is there anything we missed in the connections between your band experience and your experiences in higher ed working with students?
1: I'm looking forward to continue playing. Uh, you know, I'm I'm hoping that as I move down to Athens and uh, the Georgia area, I can get into a community band of some sort or do something while I'm there for my masters. I've been playing for at this point eleven years, so uh, it's kind of hard to just stop and be interested to hear everyone else's responses uh, if they're still playing and how they are. But I think, uh, like you were saying, Michelle, as we're, we're wrapping up, I mean, the the main thing, and we've kind of had this conversation band for me is, is nothing more than just another version of kind of like higher ed. Uh, and in our conversation, you know, I was saying, you know, you have your conductor, you have your band director that serves as kind of your leader, I guess, in that point, your president, your vice president of student affairs, you have your section leaders that kind of serve as, you know, the the next level under um, that kind of continue to communicate and, and push the vision of what the the band director may have or, uh, what the conductor has for the concert and the performance to look like. But then the great thing is you have all of these other amazing folks that are glad to just be a part of the ensemble, uh, a part of the mission, the vision of the university um, that just want to see students be successful. Uh, and so I think when people talk about band and even trying to connect to higher education, there, there isn't a, there's this yes and approach. Right. That we keep talking about uh, that. Yes, there are some some differences, but there are some great similarities. Uh, and and it kind of has helped me envision really what my role in higher education and student affairs work will look like. And so um, I'm just grateful to kind of be a part of this conversation and kind of collaborate and talk about some of those differences, but also those very many similarities. Right.
2: Yeah, I gotta go so that I don't forget what I wanted to say. So I do still play my instrument. I still teach uh, private lessons. So help kids prep for all state and solo and ensemble. And I still I still teach band camps throughout the summer um, at a few local schools. So I still am heavily involved. One day I'll be in a community band again. That season just hasn't come, but it will. It will. Um, but what I wanted to make sure that I said and I wrote it down so that I didn't forget is. My final kind of takeaway, when you see band on a resume or application, don't gloss over it. It is, you are getting someone, and if you haven't heard it from the four of us, that is so passionate, that is so committed, that is a hard worker, that is driven, that takes feedback. Well, Gene, there was another light bulb moment from you every interview I've ever been in, I have told people how much I like feedback. And then as you were talking, I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's why my whole life I've been getting direct feedback from private lessons, teachers and band directors. And you are getting people who are open-minded, quick thinking, very quick um, to make changes and adapt. And just, we're just all in kind of people. We really are. And so when you see that on an application or or um, a resume, do not do not gloss over it. Know that it is it's a big asset to your group to have somebody that was a band.
0: I love that you shared that. that That's huge, and I don't think I ever thought about it that way before. So, thanks. Yeah,
2: it's it's very much like seeing you know a varsity athlete. We mm-hmm. we know what it takes to be a varsity basketball player, a varsity cheerleader. You know, we know the years and years of commitment it took to get there, and and somehow I think band hasn't quite earned that same respect but it's the same level of commitment and work and drive and um and definitely the same level of commitment to people for sure.
4: Natalie when you mentioned that um the feedback part I was just like I didn't even realize that until like my supervisor brought it up to me recently he was just like you value transparency and that feedback and I was just like, that's what I, I enjoy that. And that makes me like be better in the my role that I'm doing. So I at least know what I can fix moving forward. And I completely forgot that I was like, and then like sometimes the feedback can be very harsh um, and very transparent, um, but it's like for the, it's to better us in what we're doing. Um, and that, I think that's why I pre- really appreciate re- getting that feedback. So thank you for bringing that up and putting that <laughs> pieces together in my head. Um, but to answer your question, Michelle, um, I don't play my instrument as well. I have a clarinet. Um, it just sits in my closet right now. I'll occasionally pick it up and play it. Um, but I'm hopefully to get hopefully looking to get more involved in like a community band in my area. I have to do some research beforehand <laughs> for me to get more involved um with playing my instrument, but I do play my instrument um when I go back for a alumni band with my um college. This year is my 100 year um, anniversary for our marching band. So I'm really excited to go back for homecoming this year. And we're hopefully going to have like the biggest turnout for alumni to attend.
3: I am not currently playing my instrument with percussion. It's kind of difficult because some of those instruments are really big and really expensive. But I do like drum on my desk pretty frequently. It helps me stay focused. Um, And if I was to keep playing, it'd probably be easiest for me to keep drumming. I think the main way I still connect with um bands is I go to performances and I will frequently watch college marching bands warm up. I know Jamel and I watched the Clemson band warm up a few times and it will usually bring a tear to my eye just remembering how at home I felt in my college marching bands and I do dearly dearly miss
0: it. So well thank you all so much for the conversation today and you know, I hope I hope you'll continue talking about it or presenting on this because I I was in band in high school. Trombone was my instrument, but it's it's just such a small snapshot of the experience. Um, and to hear the lessons learned and the transferability and um, the marketability, really, of what you all bring as professionals is huge. So I have one final question for you, unless I'll check in with you. Is there anything that I should have asked or anything you want to speak on that we haven't already covered? All right. Seeing everybody good. What is something that is bringing you hope right now? And this can be work-related. It could be band-related. It could be personal. um, But just something that you know, the world is heavy, the world is hard. Everyone I know is tired right now and maybe always this past year. Um, so what are some things that that are bringing you joy?
1: Yes. Uh, so first, thanks so much for allowing me to be a part of this conversation and um, to join some amazing band colleagues uh, and, and, you know, student affairs folks. Uh, I think that the one thing that's kind of like bringing me hope right now is... I was having this conversation with a, a few friends, and you know, I think for me is I've started to become a little bit more reflective uh, in my own personal life, and just kind of journaling a lot more. Mm-hmm. And to be completely honest with you, I've looked back at like some of the things that I thought were really like failures in my life, or like bombs moments uh, when like I just dropped the whole ball, <laughs> and the thing that kind of makes me hopeful is that I look back and I'm like you know that wasn't really a failure it was just you know maybe a detour uh, to get to really where I am and to to be completely honest my band director and I said man I feel like a failure because I wanted to be that band director I wanted to be that high school principal wanted to be that superintendent and while I may not necessarily be going into that field or doing it. It's not that I failed. It's just that I'm following really what my purpose and my calling is. And I get to continue to still do some of those things, but, you know, in a different way and and in my own special way that doesn't have to be the traditional pathway or doesn't have to go the way that everybody else has. So I really kind of become a little bit more reflective and I'm starting to see some of the things that in my mind, I kind of doubt or consider a failure isn't really a failure. It's a detour. And I've been trying to be a little bit more positive about some of the things that, you know, I kind of discuss and think about in my own personal time.
0: Well, thank you for that. And I know you are headed to a cruise. So have a wonderful trip. And thanks for making time for the conversation today. Kelly, what about you?
2: So I've had the privilege to attend a few graduations lately, um, high school and college. And if you're short on hope, just go to a graduation. That's all I got to say. They're just inspiring and beautiful and motivating. And you see just the 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 joy of of doing something big and of being brave to have done the big thing. And I do want to share my favorite quote. Uh, This past weekend, I was at the graduation for the school where I work. And one of the speakers shared this quote, keep an open mind about the direction of your curiosity. And I think that Mm. that goes really well with what Xavier was just talking about in his own personal life. You know, we just, those, those graduations and those big moments like that can feel like a real like a real end of a chapter, but in reality, it's just the beginning of something great and it can lead us in so many directions. And I just love seeing the, that light in, in young people's eyes, knowing, knowing they're going to do great things.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for that. And I love that quote. Like I'm, I'm scribbling it down as you're talking. So Jean, what about you? What's inspiring some hope for you?
3: Um, I got it two things one of them is going to be a shameless sustainability plug <laughs> um so there's a newsletter that i recommend everyone uh subscribe to it's called the climate optimist it's out of harvard and it shares just good climate news um and the really good thing about we are now is we actually have all the solutions we need to make a really significant impact at um, stopping some of the effects of climate change. We just need to kind of make haste in which we implement them. And that takes everyone implementing them in their own lives and their own workplaces. So this is an open invitation to anyone listening. I am happy to chat with you about that. It is one of my most favorite things to do. And I am feeling hopeful about the future in that way. And then... Um, The other thing that's bringing me hope is just uh, working with Gen Z is pretty fun. I say as a cusper, I think I might technically be an old Gen Z or or I might be a millennial. It depends on the day. Um, But I think they just challenge a lot of toxic workplace norms. Mm. And they, I think, are just going to break stuff apart and i'm really excited for that it might be a little bit of a painful process because you know systems and institutions don't really like to change um and you know at times i've been on the receiving end of like hmm this is really challenging the way you're thinking about this because it makes me have to change something but i'm not sure i have the ability to actually change i think they get a bad rep I think that they have a lot, lot, lot to offer, and I'm really excited for them to start entering the workforce.
0: I love that. All right, Jamal, bring us home. What What's your hope for today?
4: Yeah, so I'm getting back from a conference, and that's like what's really bringing me joy right now, and just the conversations that we were having, the challenges we're all having, we're all experiencing the same things. At times in our field, we feel like we're we're the only one experiencing, experiencing something. Um, but being able to have those conversations with people, even today, having conversations talking about band and higher education, um, how it relates to higher education, it just it just feels fulfills me fills me with joy mm-hmm. um, just to have these conversations. So looking forward. I'm just excited to continue these conversations and to just really learn from everybody and hearing their experiences and how I can do better in my role and supporting students, but also um, in in particular, um, how I can support, like I work with employers, how I can support employers with recruiting students um, and getting them connected with um, our students here on campus. So just in general, just having these conversations always brings me joy and um, refills me really, cause I can get so burnt out and tired in my role, but having these conversations is like, wow, I have so much more I can do. Um, and I'm excited just for the future.
0: I love that. Well, thank you again to each of you. This has been a really rich conversation today, and, um, I'm excited to share this and, Get other people engaged in the thinking and some of the doing and dreaming that you all shared today. So I I appreciate your time. I know everyone is busy and it means a lot that you made this a priority to have the conversation. Today's Essay Today podcast is brought to you by Saxa, and we thank them for their support. Don't forget that the Saxa conference is happening this year on November, beginning November 4th and going through the 6th in Atlanta, Georgia. Check out the Saxa website for more information. We hope to see you there. Maybe a band presentation would be a cool thing to see at the Saxa Conference, Uh, just the thought. Um, But as we close today, I would like to leave you with a quote. And today's quote comes from Aretha Franklin. Music does a lot of things for a lot of people. It's transporting for sure. It can take you right back, years back, to the very moment certain things happened in your life. It's uplifting, it's encouraging, it's strengthening. My name is Michelle Botcher, and it has been a pleasure to host this episode. Have a beautiful day.